Thank you again for worshiping with us this morning at Prairie View. We're glad that you're here. People care a great deal about time. And some might even say that most people are obsessed with the concept of time. This past Wednesday was Back to the Future Day. And in the famous movie, October 21st, 2015, is the day that Marty McFly travels to. Now, for those people out there who think the movie is prophetic, which, believe it or not, those people are out there, the movie predicted the Cubs would win the 2015 World Series. And we saw how that worked out this past week. But Back to the Future is just one of multiple movies that revolves around time machines, traveling to the past, traveling to the future, because man is fascinated with time. We often hear people say that time is our most valuable asset. You know, it's one thing if you waste my money, I can eventually get that back. But don't waste my time. I can't get that back. Why do so many people speed? A lot of it, I'm sure, is because of time. What's one of the multiple reasons fast food drive throughs are always so busy? They save time. Nearly every technological advancement that is made these days promises us that it's going to save us time, even though it probably doesn't when we actually use it. Things like the popular seven-minute workout, people know exercise is important, but not enough to sacrifice much of their time. Why do we take so many pictures? Because we want to capture a moment of time and do our best to make it last forever. Why do so many people have completely unnecessary cosmetic surgery or over-the-top midlife crises? Because they want to fight against time. To delay the process of aging. To feel young again. The more you think about it, if we're really honest about it, people like us are probably more obsessed with time than we like to admit. We've called this sermon series, the book of Ecclesiastes, Wisdom for Life. Because while the preacher in Ecclesiastes is clearly wrestling with some difficult questions about God, difficult questions about the meaning of life, he does have some words of wisdom about more practical things that make up life. And one of the things that he does share some wisdom about is time. But in the process of sharing his wisdom, we're going to see that the preacher of Ecclesiastes has some real problems and some complaints with God when it comes to the idea of time. He asks questions that all of us ask at some point or another. How should we view time? How much time do we really have? And if we only have so much time, then how should we really Use it. With that, open to Ecclesiastes chapter 3. If you're using one of our chair Bibles, this will be located on page 471. And as always, if you don't own a Bible, feel free to take one home with you this morning. But before we do any reading in Ecclesiastes, let's pray and then we'll get started. Father, we think a lot about time. Time is of the essence. Time is so important. We're always trying to save it. But God, I pray that during this time that we have here this morning to sing your praises, to read from your word, to take communion, 
to pray with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. I pray that we would treasure this time. I pray that we would set this time apart from all the other demands and responsibilities that life throws at us. That this time would be a holy time, fully devoted to you and to your word. God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. We ask all these things in his name. Amen. Let's start reading Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. In one of the most well-known passages of Ecclesiastes, the preacher gives some good practical wisdom that pretty much anybody can probably agree with. There are appropriate times to do some things, and there are inappropriate times to do other things. He gives multiple examples. He gives the example of a life cycle, being born and dying, planting, plucking up, killing, healing, breaking down and building up. He says there's a time for beginnings, but there's also a time for ends. He gives the example of emotions, time for weeping and laughing, mourning and dancing. He talks about relationships, a time to embrace and a time to maybe not embrace that part about casting stones or throwing stones probably refers to relationships too maybe you clear stones from a field in order to help a field grow or maybe you throw stones into an enemy's field that way his crops won't grow even that can come back to relationships he gives the example of possessions a time to look for something and a time to lose something a time to keep something and a time to get rid of something. If you're a pack rat, maybe you need to listen to that. He gives the example of times of loss. In the ancient world, people would tear their clothes after the death of a loved one, a friend, someone who meant a lot to them. The preacher says there's a time for that, a time to tear your clothes. But there's also a time to sew your clothes back together and get on with daily life. Likewise, there's a time to speak to someone when they're mourning, and there's a time to simply be quiet. Job's friends could have used that lesson. He gives the example of affections, the extremes of love and the extreme of hate, the extreme of war and the extreme of peace. There's even a time for those things. Now, again, pretty much everyone can agree at some level with the wisdom of there being appropriate and inappropriate times for certain things. But the preacher isn't just stating facts. 
He's exposing a challenge that he's facing and that you and I face, too. The challenge is, how do we know when it's time to laugh or when it's time to weep? How do we know when it's time to dance or when it's time to mourn? I'm sure many of us have stories of saying or doing something at the wrong time. Even though we had good intentions, we didn't mean to hurt anyone. We didn't mean to offend anyone. But what we said, what we did, the timing just wasn't right. Discerning the time can be a major challenge. A passage that illustrates this well is Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5. We read there, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. Now, wait a minute. That seems like a contradiction. One verse tells us to not answer a fool, lest we look like a fool ourselves. The next verse tells us that we should answer a fool because we don't want the fool to think he's right. It seems like a pretty clear, pretty pretty blatant contradiction in Proverbs 26. But when you think about it a little bit more deeply, it's not actually a contradiction. It just sums up the challenge that the preacher is wrestling with. How to discern the time. Having wisdom to know what is appropriate and what is inappropriate in very, very different situations. We all probably have stories of moments where the wise thing was to answer a fool. But then the next day, the wise thing may have been to not answer a fool. Now, okay, there's a time for everything. That's good wisdom. And yes, it certainly can be difficult to discern the time to know when something is appropriate or inappropriate. That's all good stuff. But the preacher continues. In Ecclesiastes 3, verse 9. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. Here's where that pessimistic preacher that we met last week comes back out in Ecclesiastes 3. He argues that not only is it difficult to discern the time, He takes it a step further. He says it's impossible to discern the time. We read that phrase about God putting eternity in man's heart, and we think it sounds warm. We think it sounds cuddly. But for the preacher, that is actually a source of frustration. He's getting at the idea that man wants to discern the time, but man can't discern the time. Man is incapable of discovering what God is doing from beginning to the end. So what does the preacher suggest? The last couple of verses. Eat, drink, and be merry. 
That's the gift that God has for man. That's the best God has to offer in this life. You can't discern the time, so you might as well just kick back and enjoy life to the best of your ability. Here we see the preacher's first problem when it comes to time. Our inability to figure it out. Man can't know what God is doing. So man might as well resign himself to the few temporary pleasures that life has to offer. It's not a very positive view of time. Let's look at another passage of Ecclesiastes that talks about time. Ecclesiastes 6, starting in verse 10. Whatever has come to be has already been named, and it is known what man is, and that he is not able to dispute with one stronger than he. The more words, the more vanity. And what is the advantage to man? For who knows what is good for man while he lives the few days of his vain life, which he passes like a shadow? For who can tell man what will be after him under the sun? So the preacher reiterates the point he already made in Ecclesiastes 3. But then he adds something to it. He says that man only has so much time. There's no use in arguing with God about it. There's no use in sitting back and talking about it or debating it. He says our lives are like a shadow. We mentioned last week, James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. James says there, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. The preacher says we're like a shadow. James says we're like a mist. The point is that our lives don't last very long. Eventually the sun will come up and will burn away the mist. Or the sun will come up and the shadows will vanish. The second problem the preacher has with time is just how limited it really is. He says because of this, man's life is vain. That word we talked about last week. Man's life is meaningless. It's emptiness. It's frustration. His last suggestion was to simply kick back and enjoy the meaningless pleasures at our disposal. But now he's frustrated that we only have so much time even for that. The few things in this life that can bring some level of joy. We only have so many days for those things. Let's look to Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verses 7 through 10. Another passage to consider about time. And unfortunately, it doesn't get a whole lot more optimistic. Verse 7. Go eat your bread with joy and drink your wine with a merry heart, for God has already approved what you do. Let your garments be always white. Let not oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife whom you love all the days of your vain life that he has given you under the sun, because that is your portion in life and in your toil at which you toil under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. For there is no work or thought 
or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Because time is impossible to discern. And because you don't get very much of it anyway. Chase after contentment. Chase after comfort. Chase after companionship. I mean, after all, that's all there is anyway. So you might as well do it with all your might. Work hard and play hard. But the complaint continues in verse 11. Again, I saw that under the sun, the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. But time and chance happen to them all. For man does not know his time. Like fish that are taken in an evil net and like birds that are caught in a snare. So the children of man are snared at an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. As the complaint continues, the preacher indicates that life in general, but especially time, is very unfair. The fast don't always win the race. The strong don't always win the battle. The wise and intelligent don't always get the rewards. He says that time and chance undermine them all. In the limited amount of time that you have, life isn't fair, according to the preacher. And before you know it, cruelly and unexpectedly, life will end. He says time does not have any more mercy on man than a net has mercy on a fish or a snare has mercy on a bird. The preacher's third problem with time is that it is so unpredictable. It ends suddenly. For the final passage in Ecclesiastes, chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened, and the clouds return after the rain. And the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few. And those who look through the windows are dimmed and the doors on the street are shut. When the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the cistern and the dust returns to the earth as it was and the spirit returns to God who gave it. As if the preacher couldn't get any more depressing, he sums it all up by saying, enjoy your youth because it all goes downhill from there. Most commentators agree that these verses of Ecclesiastes 12 refer to the difficulty of aging through the imagery of an old house, an old household slowly becoming more and more 
decrepit and neglected. Aging is like one storm after another, consistently beating against the old house. And like some neglected and decrepit old home, our bodies begin to tremble and bend. The people outside at the grinding mill of that home start to go away as the home becomes more neglected. And in the same way, our grinders, those commentators believe our teeth, fall out. They go away. Our vision fades just like dirty old windows of that neglected home. And meanwhile, everything around that old home, it all keeps going. The plants and the trees keep growing. The bugs keep crawling. And eventually, whether we like it or not, the chain finally snaps. The bowl finally breaks. The pitcher finally shatters. The wheel stops working. The house will eventually be torn down. After all, the preacher did say earlier that there is a time for building up. And there's a time for tearing down, too. And just like that, life ends and we die. The preacher's fourth and final problem with time is that according to him, time is merciless. No matter how hard we try, we can't outrun it. Regardless of how many pictures we take or how many cosmetic surgeries we get, Time wins. And according to the preacher, it isn't pretty when time does win. Now, if you haven't gathered it already by now, the preacher has a shockingly dark view of time. He says time is impossible to discern, that the time that we actually do have to enjoy some meaningless things is far too short Time is unfair in the time that we have, and it unpredictably ends. And not only that, it shows no mercy as we age. It's a pessimistic view. But really, when you think about it, why should our view of time be any different than his? Why should we view time any differently than the preacher does? After all, I mean, there is certainly some wisdom. There's some truth to the preacher's observations. It's true that our lives really are like a mist. It's true that life can be very unpredictable. It's true that no matter how hard we try, we can't figure everything out of what happened in the past or what will happen in the future. And he's right. Aging can be brutal. Why should our view of time be any different than his if there's truth to all this stuff? We'll turn to Romans chapter five, verse six. Paul writes there. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. The preacher didn't have access to the information that we now know. This came long after him. He doesn't know what you and I know. That at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. That Jesus died. 
for sinners like us. And because we know that, our view of time should be vastly different than the preacher's view of time. Knowing that Christ died for the ungodly at the right time, we no longer have to fear death the way we did before. Because Christ died for us. And we look forward to resurrection. Knowing that at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, we don't even have to fear aging. Because one day our bodies will be redeemed once and for all. Because Christ died for the ungodly at the right time, we don't have to fear life's unpredictability because we know with certainty that God is on the throne no matter what the circumstances around us look like. Because Christ died for the ungodly at the right time, we don't have to resign ourselves to looking for meaning and joy and fleeting pleasure because we found meaning and joy in our identity in Christ. And because at the right time Christ died for the ungodly, we don't have to sit back and wonder how to discern the time that God has given us. He's told us how to use it, to offer our bodies as living sacrifices of worship. And because we've seen the cross, we know that time is not vain, life is not meaningless, empty Frustration. Because Christ died for the ungodly at the right time. God's people have purpose in the present, not vanity. Because Christ died at the right time for the ungodly, we have a promise of glory in the future. No matter what it is that we've done in the past. Our world is correct to view time as a precious commodity. May we use it well. May we use it for the glory of God. The next time we look at our watches or check our calendars or update a planner, may we remember the wisdom of the preacher that life is like a shadow that passes, that life is unpredictable, that aging can be brutal, that life isn't always fair. But may we also be confident and constantly reminded that at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Let's pray. Father, I'm sure all of us can connect with one or two or three, if not all, of these complaints, all of these points about time. How unfair it seems, how unpredictable it is, how brutal it can be as it continues to march on. I'm sure we can all connect with some of these. But God, I pray that as we look at the time that we have, that it wouldn't cause us to go into despair. But that rather we would make full use of the time that you have given us. That we would be eternally grateful That we have purpose and meaning and joy in the time that we have. Not through momentary pleasures that eventually will go away. But rather through the new identity you have given us in your son, Jesus Christ. 
Thank you that your son Jesus died on the cross, shedding his blood, his body broken for our sins at the exact right time. We love you. We praise you. We honor you. Help us to use our time well. And help us to view our time in light of the cross. We ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.